Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. We made it. 2023 is almost a wrap. And what a year this has been. A lot has happened, in case you haven't noticed. Taylor Swift, Hollywood Strikes, the Succession Finale, Barbenheimer. I could keep going. We've got some of my favorite people here. We're going to look back at the winners and losers of 2023. I'm Alameen Abdul-Mahmoud, and what you're listening to is a special edition of Commotion, recorded live in the Glen Gould Studio in Toronto as part of CBC Toronto's annual food bank drive, Sounds of the Season! Yeah! With me today, we've got some of my favorite cultural thinkers. They're all regulars here on Commotion. Emil Niazi's here, Nico Stratus is here, Matt Hart is here. What's good, everyone? Welcome to the group chat. How you feeling? Feeling good. I'm feeling so happy that you're great. here. Can you believe that the year is over? Is it? Yes. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> Emil's like, yeah, I'll live through the whole thing, man. It was a know. long year, yeah. It's I, all it's all like been punctuated with tinsel, kind of like, <laughs> I didn't feel like the end of the year happened, and then yeah. tinsel came, and I'm like, oh, yeah. And now, now we've arrived at this moment. Well, yes. hey, we're going to do this. And the way that we want to do this um, is to look back at the year 2023 with this frame of winners and losers. So with that in mind... Let's get started with this. Come on. <laughs> this song came, let's do a Lipa dance tonight. This song came out, what, uh, 75 years ago, it feels like. It's from the Barbie soundtrack. But it has kind of like come to define my year. I feel like I've been listening to this song so much. You know, Spotify put it as like the number two most listened to song of the year. And most of those listens were me. Yeah. Um, we're going we're gonna to start talking about Barbie and Barbenheimer. Because to me, that was like one of the most defining events. Like I look back at 2023, may not remember much. I'm going to remember Barbenheimer. I mean, I'll start with you. Barbenheimer, winner or loser? As a phenomenon, Barbenheimer is a winner for sure. Probably yeah. one of the biggest uh, winners at the box office. Obviously, Barbie raked it in, and then Oppenheimer uh, benefited from turning it into a thing. Yeah. Um, and I think it shows how much people really enjoy a spectacle at the movies and they want to go to be part of something bigger than just going to the movies. Did it change how you experience movies? Like, like that, the whole event of Barbenheimer? For me personally, no, <laughs> because I uh, only go and watch children's movies now. But <laughs> I loved seeing people get excited about something. They got dressed up. You know? I loved that they were dressing up. Yeah. I loved that they were taking pictures. It felt really uh, participatory and engaged. And I think there was a little bit of a halo effect in general mm -hmm. for the act of going to the movies. And, mm -hmm. you know, we've talked a lot about 
are the movies dying? Is the box office still a thing? And I think mm. that this event proved that we do still love to be a part of something as a group and mm -hmm. how much we enjoy doing that outside of our living rooms because it's just not the same to stream <laughs> streaming Barbie <laughs> and then Oppenheimer. And if you are, you know... Don't do that. Don't, I mean... It's, it feels very sad. It feels well, the, very sad in a way that going to see those films as a group wearing pink, yeah. you know, and I loved how much Christopher Nolan um, and director, director, Gre of Oppenheimer. Yeah. director of Oppenheimer and Greta Gerwig, director of Barbie, yeah. played into it yeah. and went to each other's movies. And it just felt like a really supportive, exciting part of the year. Uh, Nico, I got to say, when I think about movies that can gross almost a billion dollars, I certainly don't think, you know what, a biopic of a scientist is going to be sure. up there. What, what, when you think of Barbenheimer, who are the winners and losers? Well, the movies are winners. The filmmakers are winners. The actors are all winners. The big loser in all of this is me. <laughs> The person who did not go to the theaters to see these movies. Am I, I sitting on a stage with a bunch of people who just didn't participate in Barbenheimer? Is that <laughs> what I'm like, learning here? It's one of those things where like, I saw everybody I know. And I was like, I would come on the show and I was talking about it before. And I was yeah. aware of it and all these things. And then when the movies happened, I just didn't go. And everyone I knew went. And I saw their Instagram stories. And they're all having a great time. And I didn't go. My partner was on tour. And she watched them. And she was like, we need to watch Barbie. And I said, fine. And I watched it at home. I was the person that streamed Barbie. And I was like... Oh, it was good. But I didn't have the same experience. Like, I didn't have that communal sure. experience that everybody had when they made an event of it. Uh, and I definitely feel like, oh, I missed out. Like, I lost out on that because I realized that I had been missing this experience. It is funny, too, when we talk about Barbenheimer. Because you know what the movie that nobody's really talking about in Barbenheimer? Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just feel like it's kind of like, it's good and it's fine. But also, like, we don't really want to remember the movie about the guy who created the atomic bomb nearly as much as we want to remember the movie Barbie. Well, it's hard to, like, turn that into an event right totally, it's hard to, it's yeah. hard to even look back at this moment and go like you know what was a really big hit is this movie about the guy who created the atomic bomb but i would say yeah. in many ways as the year ends and yeah. we you know we have a more critical uh view of both films individually i'd say oppenheimer is faring better from a critical perspective than barbie uh, in, in the terms of true quality winner, of critically and quality-wise, is Oppenheimer. Uh, we, we also got to say that, like, Oppenheimer is... We're sitting here a couple of months away from the Oscars, and it's far and away, like, the most likely candidate to win Best Picture. I think, like, that could change, obviously, but, like, in this moment, people are like, Oppenheimer, it gives the Academy the thing that it's always looking for, which mm -hmm. is, like, here's this critically acclaimed work that is also, like, a lot of people saw. And, like A big, serious movie, yeah, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But also, to, to, to Emile's point of talking about Greta Gerwig, Matt, um, I think about this whole point of make, having an independent filmmaker who's mm -hmm. made a lot of these small movies. Lady Bird, I, maybe a medium-sized movie. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Little Women, also a medium-sized movie. Yep. And then you get to Barbie. Like, this thing grosses more than a billion dollars. Yeah. He's clearly a winner of the year. What, what are you thinking about? So, uh, I mean, she, because I have all the answers, you see. Is, of course. Uh, when you get to take over a new franchise and reboot it, yeah. you're supposed to pick someone who's a bit of a risk, like they did here. Yeah. And um, it paid off in spades. And the reason why she's the real winner here is because think of the franchising uh, opportunities that are going to come with the Barbie movie franchise. You're going to have yeah. the Ken movie, guaranteed. You're going to have Skipper. 
You're going to have like the dog, you know what I mean? Like they're going to go forever. So she's really um, in a position to have cornered this entire franchise, which will be, mark my words, enormous. So The Allen movie. The Allen movie. Can't wait for that. Justice yeah. for Michael Sarah. <laughs> um, can I just say, uh, Ryan Gosling, clear winner of 2023. I think like mm-hmm. if yeah. someone has just taken the entire public narrative of how you think about this one person and completely rewritten it like that in just one film, it was Ryan Gosling. And now we have him to thank for the Matchbox 20 revival. Nico, are we happy about that? Is that I a mean, winner for you? Did we get a Matchbox 20 revival? <laughs> we got Rob We're, Thomas in the press. We got the, 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 the Rob Thomas assance has, is upon us for sure. I mean, it was, it, look, that was an interesting song choice for sure. But uh, Yeah, the Barbie movie built quite a bit of the movie around push by Matchbox 20. Okay, so quickly before we move on from, from, from the Barbie hyper phenomenon is that One maybe loser of the year is the Marvel franchise. Mm -hmm. I mean, Marvel release movies are supposed to be pretty big movies when Mm -hmm. it comes to the entire Marvel universe. We're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. That's a really big one. We're talking about Ant-Man. We're talking about the Marvels. And, like, you're sitting at the end of the year being like, what did they put out again? Like, I I remember a time not long ago, Emil, when Marvel used to be kind of a big deal around here. Well, I mean, speaking of the spectacle of going to the movies, I would say that, you know, for a long time, going to see a new Marvel movie was, that was what event. Barbenheimer became. Right, right. Is you would dress up, you would go with your friends, it would be an event, you would post about it. And I really think that it shows a lot of how far those movies have fallen mm-hmm. that we had. So at, you just named several big Marvel movies that came out this year. I couldn't tell you what a single one of them was about. Their box office was terrible. And it really seems to be um, kind of an, the end of an era. All right, by round of applause, has anyone seen like a Marvel movie this year in the crowd? A smattering. That's what I just heard. There's like four people, and they're the only ones that saw Marvel movies this year. I'm very happy for you guys. That's great. Okay, we're going to move on to another big winner of this year, and that is Taylor Swift. Okay. (laughs) Audience woos. Love this for me. Um, I'm on the record as being noted as a Swifty, but now so is Time Magazine, who just named Taylor Swift the person of the year for 2023. Um, And you can kind of go... That's an obvious choice. Uh, it's been this crazy year for Taylor Swift. There was a whole Ticketmaster debacle. There was a tour. There was a concert film. There was two different Taylor's versions albums that she released this year. So there's also a quote-unquote Taylor Swift reporter, which I don't know if they're doing their job, but that's just my assessment, saying from here. <laughs> so there's been no shortage of Taylor Swift news. Nico, you tell me that you're Taylor Swift agnostic. Yes. Is Taylor Swift a winner or a loser? I was so excited to walk out onto the stage and call Taylor Swift a loser and then just like have to like, can't, can't, leave yeah. the country and change my name <laughs> and hide in a hole for 25 years. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, clearly Taylor Swift is, a, I mean, she's the time person of the year. I don't think you get to have that and then have a bunch of people call you a loser. I mean, no. this has clearly been her year. Congratulations, Taylor. You did it. Nobody thought you had it in you. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I, I am cons- I'm detecting some sense of bitterness. What's I mean, happening there? Not to brag, but I posted about Taylor Swift on Twitter.com yesterday. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, just sort of talking about this, this concern I have of this sort of like she's becoming this sort of golden idol of a monoculture, right? Where mm. she's being sort of lionized as this, this ultimate figure, the one pop person, the, this, this only sort of visible person in this space. And A, I worry about like how high she can be put up on this pedestal before what happens when she falls, if mm. she falls. 
You know, what does that mean for the big if pal? So many people have tied their identities to this person, right? And like, and what happens if this public narrative of hers falls apart? What if she does something wrong? She, I mean, like, what happens if when she was dating Matt Healy, she started to become like Matt Healy? Which, Mm -hmm. like, nobody wants that. We don't even want Matt Healy. (laughs) So, and I I just worry, like, R.I.P. Matty Healy. Listening to this, just collapse. Yeah, I know he's he's sobbing himself to sleep on on a pile of money right now. But I I just worry, and she's like, I feel like there's a lot of oxygen in the room for her, and I wish we were in a space where we had a lot of oxygen in the room for a lot of people doing interesting thing in a pop space that aren't all the same kind of very attractive looking white woman. And hopefully, we can get to a better place with that. There's there's a resistance to Taylor Swift that I understand because I think sometimes you go, I think can't get this big without consequences, and that's sort of what it feels like sometimes. But need I remind the audience, there have been consequences, right? There's been at least a couple of times in her career where people kind of been like, oh, we're kind of done with this lady. One of those was 2016, 2017, that Kim Kardashian sort of releases those, uh, we now know, doctored phone call that kind of collapsed Taylor's reputation in public. And she seems to have regained it back. I read that Time Magazine profile, Emil, that named her person of the year, Mm -hmm. and what, I, what was really frustrating to me is that there wasn't a lot of engagement with like, hey, how did you get the public back on your side? That's the most interesting question to me about Taylor Swift's career at the moment is that she seems to have this natural kind of alchemy where people kind of keep returning back on her side, even if they did turn her turn against her at a certain point. So if she's not going to answer it, can you answer it? Like, what do you think it is about Taylor that she that makes people return back to her side? Well, I don't. I I disagree with your premise that people turned Ooh. on her okay, and then ahead. turned back to her. I think yeah. she's proven that she has built an incredibly loyal fan base yeah. that have grown with her and evolved with her. But she's expanded that fan base. She's expanded the fan base, but I don't think those fans ever turn their backs and then return to her. I mm. think culturally we have um, investigated and interrogated her persona, and there's been moments where we've thought, ah, maybe she's not um, as, you know, the, the perfect good girl. Maybe she's sure. not this. But I think as far as people turning on her, she's never faced a true backlash. So I don't think it's fair to say that she's regained a reputation. She's she's held that reputation throughout her career pretty steadily, I would say. Uh, for those listening at home, my jaw just dropped on the floor. Um, I'm just, it's, it's fine. And but, and NFL players right now are kind of uh, sure. giving some backlash because they're taking away all uh, because she's taking away. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's yeah. talk about that. Let's talk about what happens when someone like Taylor Swift gets so big. Who are we losing out on? Like, what does that, you know, what does that take up space from? Well, I mean, for me, it takes up, like, the Charlie XCXs and the, like, you know, like, the Greta Gerwigs of music. You know what I mean? Like, Mm. the kind of smaller, maybe a bit more um, independent-minded or out there. But I think the problem with Taylor is that she's such a winner, she's become a loser for me. It's like... (laughs) It's like that puppy syndrome where everyone wants a puppy and then it gets big and everyone's like, I don't want to walk this thing. And then you just have Travis over in the corner or Cody, some dog, and he stinks and he's 16 now. You know what I mean? I feel like we're kind of at that phase now. The, the puppy phase is over for me. With, with I, What I like about this is that the audience has no idea what to do with that. They're like, yeah. I guess it's true, but also... Are we mad at puppies now? Yeah. Like, is that what I'm supposed to take He's away from? He's a puppy. Stays in there. <laughs> yeah. We hate old dogs, but we love a puppy. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nico, I will say that one thing that um, has been shaping the conversation this year, especially around Taylor Swift, is 
ticket prices, right? We've both with her tour and also the Beyonce tour, we've come to kind of understand that there's like a new floor for ticket prices and our expectations for what, how much a ticket should cost is way higher. Yeah. Um, hundreds of dollars higher. And I think something that's kind of clear to me is we are the losers of that, right? Like we being like music fans, people who just kind of enjoy going to see live music. How has, how has your relationship to live music changed this year? Do you think? I mean, those sort of shows are always sort of... I'm one of those people that doesn't really enjoy that big spectacle because it just doesn't feel... The 70,000 person. I just feel like I'm an, I'm an extra in a movie when I'm in those spaces, you know? And, like, and the Ticketmaster thing, this is a fight that, like, if, if you're old enough to remember, like, when Pearl Jam was fighting this fight in the 90s, you know, like, the Ticketmaster fight has been a fight that many, many people have tried to, to take on. Pearl Jam tried to do a concert tour without... Yeah, without using half, having to use Ticketmaster because yeah. this has always been a problem that has been affected people. I mean, we saw it with Springsteen, we saw it with all these other people. Sure. And I worry that people are sort of seeing these experiences as going to Taylor Swift shows, the same as going to Barbenheimer or whatever. They're seeing these big communal experiences. You go to a Taylor show, you get the wristband, you get to do all these things. But you also have to be able to, like, sell a kidney in order to be able to go to these shows. And mm. at what point does, like, having to go in a serious debt in order to go see one pop star one time mm-hmm. to create one memory? You know, like, at what point does that become too much? And, and unsustainable. Well, one loser of that, uh, that dynamic, though, is Taylor Swift decided that she was going to cut out the middleman in terms of distributing her concert film. And instead of going through the studio system, which is so the studio system is kind of a loser here, um, she went directly to movie theaters and that movie, that like, the concert tour opened a meal and a lot of people turned up for that. That's an- that was what, another one of those sort of event cinema kind of moments. Mm-hmm. Did you go? Uh, well, <laughs> I'm not. No. Uh, no. <laughs> No, that's not for me. That's but, not a, yeah, okay, got it. Um, I think it's great that, and Beyonce has done the same thing with her um, concert film as well. Yeah, uh, partnered with AMC uh, to to get this movie out so that people can experience the concert because it is really overpriced. And I think what's so interesting about what happens with these these kind of big big shows is you don't just go see it once. A lot of people are going to see it multiple times. Sure. They are putting themselves in debt to do went, it. Yeah. They're flying um, you know to Europe because they can't get a, a seat in their hometown. Yeah. And uh, it's really sort of separated who can afford to see live entertainment and who can't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a, a great opportunity to sort of re-democratize that process by making these films and then having them released to the public. So I think it's great um, that people are getting a chance to participate in that communal experience without having to shell out I'm just inventing a number, but I have thousands of dollars. Billions of dollars. To see yeah. Taylor Swift or Beyonce. I, I, I'll i tell you this. I went to see the movie two times because I'm just that kind of person. I, that it doesn't this is not surprise me at all. all whatsoever. I totally get it. <laughs> hey, I'm journalist Sam Sanders. I'm poet Saeed Jones. And I'm producer Zach Stafford. And we are the hosts of a podcast called Vibe Check. On Vibe Check, we talk about everything. News, culture, and entertainment. And how it all feels. That's right. We talk about any and everything on our show, from real-life issues like grief to music and movie critiques. And that barely scratches the surface. Yes, indeed. And it doesn't stop there. We have got a lot to say. So join our group chat, Come to Life. Follow and listen to Vibe Check wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) 
Okay, so this is where things get a little hectic around here. We are going to move on to the speed round of winners and losers. I have this basket, okay? And in this basket, we got a bunch of topics, a bunch of things that happened this year. I don't know what's in this basket, and neither do they. So I'm going to pick out an ornament, and then we're going to go from there. You guys ready? You guys ready to do the ornament? Okay, oh, let's yes. do it. First one, Hollywood actors and writers strikes, winners and losers. Emil, kick us off. I mean, losers, the studios for now, mm-hmm. um, winners, I'm, you know, I'm hoping the writer certainly held out uh, for a while and managed to get, I think, a, a fairly decent deal Pretty for good themselves. Deal. Yeah. And so did the actors for now. Um, I think the losers in that category is us. We have really proven by our own lack of desire to rally for these two groups of people yeah. that we obviously... Um, there's a degradation in uh, our valuation of, of film and television. It's all content, and yeah. I think we're, we lose when that's the case. Okay, that's, that's a good point. Uh, Nico, do you have something to say about the writer's strike? Otherwise, we'll move on. I mean, I just like seeing labor movements be so like, public in the, in the public eye for a long time and people yeah. really get a good idea of like, organized labor movements and fighting for things that people deserve. Okay, we're going to try to do the rest of these as quickly as possible. <laughs> Up next... Blackberry, did we see the movie? Did we see the... Okay, Matt Hart, kick us off. Loved it. Uh, it's, um, it's it, of course, the story of the, the Blackberry. Yeah, it's created by the guys who did Nirvana, the band, the show. It's a winner yeah. for Matt me. Johnson. Yeah. Matt Johnson, yeah. He also did The Dirties, lots of yeah. great critically acclaimed films. And I think um, he's going to be a really bright light for Canadian directors. And mm-hmm. Keep your eye on him if you don't know him now. Matt Johnson, he's a name to watch. And see the Blackberry show and movie. It's amazing. Uh, Glenn, Glenn Howerton in that movie puts, puts in an incredible shift. I mean, I'm from Waterloo is going to be the line of the year for yeah. sure. Uh, who would have thought, Nico, that one of the best moments on film would be a story of Blackberry? I never saw it, but I hope there's an origin story for the little trackball thing. <laughs> there actually is. That is a significant part of the movie. Okay, next up. Ooh, sped up songs. Okay, for like a little while, there was like this like TikTok trend of people dancing to the sped up songs and like sped up versions of the songs that are really popular. And then suddenly you had the sped up versions climbing up the charts. And this was a problem for me because I'm not trying to listen to like a chipmunk version of a song that I already like. Emil, winner or loser? Loser, loser. Well, guys, it's okay to experience music as it's meant to be experienced, as the artist made it. We should not be making everything for an algorithm or for TikTok. Loser. Uh, I will say Nelly Furtado sped up one of her songs, uh, and I was like, you know what? Only Nelly Furtado is allowed to do this. And she, we should Probably say— it doesn't sound that different. Like, these are— <laughs> <laughs> I hate that, that she's right. Okay to say I just marginally sped up, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this song just kind of needed just like a little uptick in the tempo." Um, but there was something to me about the sped up song trend that is like we're so just like we just want to inhale our entertainment. You know, we don't want to like sit with it. And so even our songs are getting a little. We've bit fallen faster. so far as we've, a society. We've, <laughs> we used to be a proper country. Okay, up next, what do we got? Riz, just the word Riz. Uh, I hear a lot of it. I've got an 11 year old son. Yeah, and uh, hate that for I you. The Riz, if you don't know what that is, uh, what would you say? Like your style, your kind of cool. It's short. Yeah, charisma, yeah, your yeah. charisma. There you go. Uh, and if you've got a maybe 13 to eight, would you say about that age? Uh, kid, they're going to be saying it a lot. It's My the Oxford husband word. says it all the time. And I'm just now realizing that Riz is short for charisma. Me too. Like on stage, I pretended in front like of all I these knew. <laughs> 
It was the Oxford Dictionary's word of the year. It, I just think of a little rat from the Muppets. Is that his name? No, but I just that's what I think. <laughs> Amazing. All right, up next, what do we got? Uh, Judy Bloom. Okay, it's been a little Judy Bloom assance. Uh, she well, she sure did. There was a documentary, and then there was also a movie. But also, this was like maybe in April. Maybe you don't really remember this. Emil, do you remember the of Judy Bloom assance? Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. That's Judy right. Bloom is a huge winner this year, and I think it's amazing that a new generation of uh, young people are going to find these beautiful books that connect you to your adolescence. Uh, the next one that I have, uh, Kendall Roy, winner or loser, Kendall Roy. The main character, the greatest character of all time on television. Uh, Succession ended this year. Let's talk about Kendall Roy. He obviously, Kendall Roy's a loser. There's just no question. His dad saw that from the moment he came into this earth. Um, It's just true. Logan Roy knew Kendall was a loser. That's why he was not the successor. Um, But I love, I love my baby boy, Ken. And so in my heart, a winner, in actuality, a huge loser. Well, I have to leave it there, but what a chaotic round of just real quick cuts, just cutting through everything that happened this year. Matt Hart, Nico Stratus, Emilia Azzi, thank you so much, you guys. You guys are the best. Thank you. Thank you, Elamine. Winner. Hey, (laughs) that's very nice of you. Thank you. Emilia Azzi is a freelance writer. She's a columnist at The Cut. Nico Stratus is a culture critic who writes Substack Anxiety Shark. Matt Hart is a member of the band The Russian Futurists. They're all regulars right here on Commotion. That is it for the podcast today. But listen, before we go, I just want to say a big thank you to the staff here at Glengold Studio. Thank you to our consultant producer, Alan Hibbick, senior producer, Sounds and Season, Shana Cohen. Thank you to the technical crew, the team here at Commotion. And a big shout out to you. Yeah. Very happy that you're here, our live, our live studio audience. Remember, you can listen to this show anytime you like, wherever you get your podcast. Do me a favor. Follow us on Instagram. We are at CommotionCBC. You can also watch this very podcast on our YouTube. Happy New Year. Listen, I just want to tell you, this year has been a lot. I hope you're staying safe this holiday season. I hope you're feeling optimistic. I don't know. Looking forward to what comes next. I'm wishing all of you the best for 2024. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.